Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, Join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Osiris. Helping Friendly Podcast. I'm Megan. I'm here with RJ and Jonathan. Hi, guys. Howdy. Hello. How are you? Not bad. Monday, so... It's Monday. Eh, but I got this far, so I might just make yeah, it. you almost made it. You're going to make it. My day started off, like, really crazy. At 6.15, I was taking my dog to the emergency vet this morning, so... Oh, gosh. Yeah, um, yeah, she's okay. okay. Good. She's fine. Apparently, this is like a reverse sneeze thing that sometimes dogs do. Have you ever heard of this? No. This is literally what, what it is. No. Well, don't take your dog to the vet if they look like they're kind of choking and convulsing, but they're not choking because they can breathe fine. It's a reverse sneeze, apparently, and dogs just do it sometimes. And I spent like $300 to give her a Zyrtec, basically. Oh, it's um, sorry. That... <laughs> Is ridiculous. Um, yeah. Um, wow. Okay. Well, that yeah, that's, so, that was unexpected. Yeah, that was my Monday morning. So it started off that way. Oh, it's better now. Here, I here I thought we were just going to complain about the cold because it's cold. <laughs> no, I have more complaints. But. Yeah. <laughs> can't can't complain about the cold in the winter time. That's just how it goes. Uh, yeah. No, you're right, and it is to be expected. But it's still cold. It's very cold, but you know, that is, it's part of the season, Jonathan. I'm, I'm sorry to say, this is just how it goes. Yes, this is, this is what happens in the fall, which is what it is. Because and that's, cold. um, that's kind of what our podcast is about. It's the weather. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yep. It is. Yeah. Now let's bring on Justin Bruce and we can uh, really get into it. Shall we? <laughs> it's just, is Justin, are you backstage? 
Um, oh, I, don't, I don't think he's here today, so. but damn. Um, I do want to say before we start, we have a we have a live show coming up in New York City on Sunday, this Sunday, which we awesome. announced a while ago, but we're just kind of like you know telling everyone about it this week because it's this week. And um, Alex Skolnick, who's an amazing guitarist and a and a podcaster, and Karina Regman and Scott Metzger, and a bunch of uh, special guests are going to be playing music at the City Winery in New York, and um, we're going to be hanging out, and I'm going to talk with them as well. So you can go to osirispod.com slash NYC for details on it. Um, but if you're in New York, come hang out with us. Those so are so cool and fun. Um, I was lucky enough to get to host one, but like, I just love the whole idea of these things, and um, this one sounds pretty cool. Good lineup. Yeah, they're so fun. I went to the one in Philly at the Ardmore and we had the best time. It's awesome conversation. RJ does an amazing job leading these like great conversations and asking these like really great questions that kind of like answer things that you really actually want to know about. You really want to hear musicians talk about. So I'm excited about it. Hopefully I can make it. I'm going to try to come back early for my holiday. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. Um, that's all I have. That's it? That's it. All right. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have more. Well, we're going to talk about something that Jonathan's been like dying to talk about today, right? He's just been like texting us like constantly like when can we talk about goose? Like I just want to keep talking about goose. So, that's why we're doing this today is because Jonathan wants to talk about the Tab Goose Tour, right Jonathan? I mean, sure. <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. Um here we are. And you got to hear us all talk with Always Almost There and Great Beyond. And now we're back to just just, just us, just the three of us talking. But I think it's going to be interesting because, uh, Megan and Jonathan, I thought we, if we each have a couple kind of like takeaways from the tour and some musical highlights, it seems to me like that's a, you know, that's the way to, that's the way to do it. I think that sounds great. Sure. You want to um, kick us off, RJ? Sure. I mean, I guess... There's a couple different things here. I mean, obviously, we talked about each show in detail. So I was kind of thinking, like broadly, we might have talked about some of this on the uh, on a couple of the recaps. But I guess to me, like, and I've I've seen Goose a lot, and I've been watching Goose as they've been growing. And um, I don't know. To me, they're like so much more in command of this of the stage. Um, and I think Jonathan you saw that at, at Fairfax, just in terms of the crowd in an arena, but Rick especially is just looking like very, um, just very comfortable. Like he looks comfortable up there and in front of, you know, I, I don't know, four, four to 8,000 people, depending on which show um, you were at. And that's, that's a lot of people given that they were playing, not counting festivals, you know, they were playing in front of a few thousand people um, over the past couple of years. And, I just think like they his Rick's stage presence especially is um has changed a lot. I think he's like embracing this in a little he's not as like tentative about like being the the guy who's in charge on the stage. And I think as you get like these bigger rooms, that just seems to be that seems to be growing and going in the right direction. And they have like even when they would play slow songs, the slower songs, the they didn't like lose the crowd. You know, it wasn't like the crowd like checked out when they like played a slightly less, you know, rocking song. So I thought that was cool to see. And it seemed like a big step forward for, for the band. When, when did you start seeing them, RJ? Um, 2019. Okay. So for the first time. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And I've seen them mostly like in the, at the nine thirty club and, mm -hmm. you know, at smaller places and bigger places. So yeah, it's cool. It's just great. I think they're like, this was a really good, good step forward for them. I think in, in terms of like the size and, um, how they're handling it. Well, it's a big deal, right? It's like when Fish went on tour with Santana, like learning what it means to have an arena show and all the different pieces for that. I kept thinking about that. Yeah, for me, it's different because the first time I saw them was Radio City Musical. And they're like, you know, doing two nights there. And they seemed pretty in command. You know, they seemed, they had like the crowd completely. Everybody was with them. But then it was, you know, a crowd of pretty loyal people were really into goose. So it was just different experience, but yeah, I thought they did an amazing job commanding the stage. I mean, they definitely didn't at all seem nervous. And I think that like, we talked a lot about this in the recaps, but 
you know, having your kind of idol or mentor, someone you looked up to your whole career growing up, listening to their music, you know, two feet from you staring at you in that like crazy, intense, like adoring stare that Trey was giving Rick the whole night. Like that's, that's a <laughs> lot, you know, that takes, that's a lot of pressure and he delivered for sure. Well, I, I can't speak to Goose prior because this is the first time I actually saw Goose in person, but I did have some thoughts about, about a couple of things that you guys touched on. Um, one is that transition, that rare opportunity where your idol actually becomes your mentor. Um, Trey is, you know, reaches out of hand and he had already done that. You know, you got the radio city opportunity and, you know, he, showed up knew their songs and played and that was huge and then this i feel like trey is trying to repay the favor that santana did for them which is you know goose is already on their own building their following to the point where they're really on the cusp of these kinds of rooms that they played on this tour um organically they probably were about to get there in a lot of these markets or you know next year or whatever but with trey's trey's help they easily sold out all of the, were these all sold out or most of these were sold out i know the one i went to was i think they were mostly sold out mm-hmm. uh you know but easily got above the of the above the red line on all of these rooms and with in the one show I went to, what I what felt like a largely partisan crowd. So the room wasn't 100% full when Goose hit the stage, but you know you have all kinds of factors why. And I think the last on the list was people not being interested in Goose. I think it was you know the combination of first of all, 70 to five percent of the people are in the room when they come out, and then there's another fat percentage that are in the beer line stuck in traffic because freaking northern virginia good luck uh you know all of those other things and by the time they were done with one song lights are down anyway so you can't really count heads but the room felt full and people were there for that show they're there for that set um including those of us who may have been skeptical not familiar um and unquestionably having a good time of course by the end of that song there were 25 minutes into the set uh because yeah. they opened with a pretty <laughs> big jam and that's not a bad way to yeah on an audience they do that sometimes so those are my um, takeaways you know it's really i think it's really cool of trey to reach out his hand and you know take them under his wing take them out and give them this opportunity so that next time they book you know as they go into more arenas they are ready for it before megan before you do yours i just want to ask a follow-up which is do you guys think that do you have any feelings about the fact that like this is 25 years into the time when other jam bands are playing and you know doing after shows and being around the fish world and like some of the some of the bands that probably hoped that this would happen earlier or decades ago or like why now and and should we think about the fact that like many many of the bands in our scene kind of got left behind you know um and and goose got sort of like chosen as it were i i i don't think we should think about it honestly because i don't think we can really know but the fact is trey likes this band doesn't mean trey didn't like any of those other bands yeah, Trey's at a point in his life where this is how he wants to spend some of his energy and some of his capital, if you will. And I don't mean dollars. I mean, whatever else I mean. And uh, and good for him to do it at all, because he could also just stay home or book whatever rooms he wants by with his band only and do just fine. Yeah, I mean, I think he talked a little bit about it on stage, just said that when we met them, it was like just magic, like something clicked. And, you know, it sounds like he had met them before Radio City, but then when they played together at Radio City, like I think that was a lot of fun for Trey. Like I think Trey really, really loved that. And I think there are things that are probably appealing to this. I don't know if we're just speculating. I think there are things that are appealing to 
Trey probably about Goose right now. You know, the things that I think are like the best about Goose, they're excellent songwriters. And I think that Trey is, you know, writing so many songs, right? I mean, he's always writing songs, but like, I think that that is interesting to him. I think he likes learning their music because it's, the songs are good, you know? And I think that that's something that he's probably inspired by, but I think it's more of like a chemistry thing. I think they just hit it off with these guys. And, and I think that it was something Trey wanted to do. I mean, honestly, I think this is my, this was my biggest like takeaway. It's just Trey as this like band leader mentor and thinking about the graciousness that he brought to this. I mean, this was such an incredible gift to this other band. And I think I agree with you, Jonathan, like they probably would have gotten there anyway, but it's, it says a lot to get this. They were headed approval, there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They were headed there. But like, that's why also I think that he, he did this too, because he believes in them too. And, and I think that it's just pretty amazing to see the way that Trey, I mean, I love watching him leave tab all the time. Cause I think he's such an incredible band leader when he leads tab, like he's barely even has to do anything. He's just like looking around at people and they, they're just so connected and that band has run like a tight ship. I mean, it's, he's insane. doing everything. He's like, okay, yeah. you're up. And then he's, he's, he's not only is he direct calling the shots and conducting and like, you know, but he's also, he's also cheering. He's as yeah. ecstatic for the performances that are happening yeah. around him as we are. Uh, and he, yeah, and he's like finding these, no, you're right. And he's finding these incredible musicians and giving them these amazing platforms. And I think that like, that's what like pissed me off about everybody being like, oh, the tab sets are boring. I'm like, then you don't know what's going on on the stage right now. Like you don't understand <laughs> because like they're more predictable. Sure. They're not like fish shows or maybe some goose shows in that they're not going to go on some 35 minute like space jam, but that's not what tab is. It's a big band, right? It's a brass band. Like it's a different thing, but to see what he does in the way he does it and the ease is just, it's unbelievable. But also this mentorship, like, I think it's so cool. And I think of like, what it could have been like if, if Jerry was like that for Trey, you know, I think that just like what he gave them in terms of like himself and what his knowledge and his wisdom and, and spending time with them and playing with them. I mean, he learned like 16 songs. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's so gracious. Trey is at a point in his life and his, I mean, where giving is what he wants to do. He is exactly, you know, he is thankful and appreciative for where he is, the fact that he still is anywhere, I think. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I think that that gratitude is channeling out his generosity. Um, and I think we should not discount the, the, the possibility of the, and I'm stating it right here now for everybody, the, uh, the Trey string spring tour, uh, which would be a sit-down acoustic tour with Trey and Billy Strings uh, in the spring. Um, I, I made that up completely on the fly, but <laughs> I think it should happen, and I will be there covering it for HF Pod. That's fantastic. That. that is good. That. that is good news. Um, <laughs> well, you know, I, I was watching, obviously, and listening to these before I saw the Pittsburgh show last Tuesday, and kind of like it all made sense to me when I, when the show started in Pittsburgh, because like Trey has, hasn't played rooms of this size with tab in a long time. And goose is like there, but they're not going to be there for long. So like, it's sort of like, they're kind of like crossing these areas and like Trey's yeah. going to, Trey's going to bring, I think you said this yesterday, Megan, like some people are going to be refreshed on tab, you know, and then obviously goose is going to get some new fans. And it is like, it is a little bit of a passing of, it's like a passing of a baton or something that like, not that Trey's going to like stop playing anytime soon, but I feel like he, he was in rooms with tab that, that were full and, and huge. And goose was in a full, huge room too. And, and they got like the mentorship and stamp of approval. And it just like, it was all very mutually beneficial, which I think is, um, is cool. Yeah. So cool. And so much fun. I mean, the other thing that I took away was just like, there was insane amounts of joy on stage every night. It was so infectious. And I think that that's one of the things that like going to see the show, I only saw one, but like being there in the room was just, it was really awesome. Like the vibes were just so high. And I think that that kind of energy on stage really translates and everybody there just has like an unbelievable time. I think that just the 
the joy that all of the band members were having and seeing all these people who have never played together, like watching the horns come out and play with Goose was just like incredible. And just watching all these musicians on stage was just super awesome. I did enjoy hearing the horns with Goose. Um, I don't remember which song it was uh, in the first half of the tour where they came out and played with them. And and at the end, uh, you know, I, Peter, was it? He said, you know, we've always wanted to play that song with horns. And, uh, yes. Pretty rad. Like, in, like the first night when they came out and I was just so like, it, it was just, it made me really happy to see them come out and start singing Wolfman's brother on the, on the first night of the tour. Yeah. Cause it just like, clearly they, they knew the song. Right. And they were just, right. it was like, now I'm on stage with my, with, you know, someone who I admire and it just, it's cool. It was like such great, it was just great vibes, you know, um, all around. Um, Jonathan, what else did you pick up from your, from your show you saw? Um, big fan of Billy Strings. Did I mention that? No, um, <laughs> kidding. Uh, I'll stay away from that because I don't think it's pertinent to the entire tour, but it was a special night and I, I feel lucky to have gotten that one um, of the whole thing. But I think um, one other thought about the sit-ins is that this is something that even were they willing, wouldn't work as well with fish. I think Fish has a long history of kind of maligned sit-ins, if you will. We've talked about it on the show in the past. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And and it just doesn't and and I think they've talked about it somebody in the band at least uh in the past in recent years has talked about how sitting in with Fish doesn't work as well as as what we saw on stage with Tab. Tab is a big band. Throw a couple more players in. I mean, we saw uh, in in Virginia, we saw all of Goose come out with Tab for Carini, and Amazing. I think Carini is probably the perfect pick for that because it's by nature cacophonous. Um, but you know, it worked, and maybe that could work with Fish, but I just don't think it's it ever could, and I don't think they should really try. Uh, so I it's, agree. It's kind of great yeah. to see. Yeah, and it's also point. fun to watch Trey. Well, it's always fun to watch Trey when he's having a good time, right? It's, it's infectious. We, we we care a lot about him just as fans, and so when he's smiling and happy, we get that, we feel that, we hear it in his playing, and to watch him up there with Goose having a good time and a new experience while we're sharing that experience is, is always a blast. And it was nice to see him getting that night after night. Yeah. I couldn't believe the way he was dancing when I saw the show at Mohegan. I mean, it was crazy. I think it was like during push on till the day, he was literally like thrashing with his guitar and just dancing all over and just like running up and down and jumping. And like the energy output was just, it was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty wild. I mean, I think the, the, the horns also, you know, of course just added so much to, to the, to the tab set, but also to the collaborations when they, when they did it, you know, it was really, that was fun. Yeah. Can yeah, um, really raise the roof. I want to point to like kind of the second half in particular of uh, this comment here from uh, Joe Bonanno. Uh, he notes that James Casey killed it. Like that guy is amazing. He oh sounded amazing and uh, so, so greatly admire him and just his ability to be out there and killing it uh, on stage. So, uh, you know, huge shout out to James Casey for great, great work along with the rest, with the other horns. Um, also, he's an amazing dancer. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, just seeing him and Desron like <laughs> grooving. It's so they're so cool. And James Casey was like posting some Instagrams of him like dancing in the empty arenas every night before <laughs> the show, like during soundcheck and stuff. It was so cool. He's nice. He just seems like such a cool guy. Yeah. And apparently he made it because he got on fish fashion. So I guess he, he was very happy about it and posted <laughs> nice, on Twitter time. about that. <laughs> yeah. That's big time. He made it now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Wow. He's made it. He's made it. Um, I, you know, there, I guess the other, like, 
Well, the Trey, Trey and Rick interacting is something we talked about in the in the individual recaps, but just it's it's notable that like Trey was just sort of like staring at Rick the whole time, but but not really looking at his hands. The whole time. You know? In his eyes. He was just sort of like he Trey doesn't need to look at his hands to yeah. know what he's playing. Like yeah. I would need to look at his hands to know what he's yeah. playing. I mean, Trey he's looking into his soul. He's yeah, like, he was he hears that. Yeah, he hears it. I mean, that was like and and you know, Rick, I think, was like trying to learn from from Trey and, and I think was not in the, like staring at his fingers, but kind of like a little less just like staring into his soul. I think he was like probably on the like trying to trying to soak up the the learning. Um, but but I, th- I feel like they probably learned from each other. Right. I mean, do you think this, Jonathan, do you think this affects Trey's playing or do you think it affected Trey's playing in in the tab sets? And do you think like anything will come of it go, going forward like the you know, like the fairly well stuff from 2015 influenced him? I, it's hard to say. I think that we may be able to listen to something in the near future and say, you know, this might be, but I don't think that fish is going to sound like goose or anything like that. I don't think Trey is, Trey's going to still sound like Trey. Um, I think that, there is very possibly going to be some things that he will approach differently somewhere, you know, in songwriting maybe, or, um, or just compositionally. Um, Maybe he cops a new piece of gear based on something he heard they were doing and something he wants to try to do. But I think it, it, the influence on both sides will be subtle. So Rick is not going to sound like Trey doesn't now, and he won't tomorrow, but, did he learn something? Surely. How do you not? Um, but, uh, you know, I think the experience, it listening to them harmonize off each other, which is something I mentioned on the, you know, the recap I did about the Virginia show, which is that, you know, a lot of times when you get the get guitar players sit in, you know, they end up trading licks or they end up playing this dual lead you know, playing the same thing. These guys very comfortably, Trey and Rick, very comfortably settled into harmon- harmonic leads, which is a little more Almond Brothers-y thing to do. Um, so, you know, Rick may be higher up the neck and Trey maybe not. Um, and uh, and that stuff was really great to hear and kind of beautiful to hear. Now, there was, of course, that trading licks and that, you know, somebody in the, here in the chat is calling out the uh, call and response. And of course that happens too. I mean, that's what you do. But I thought they got uh, into some nice, more sophisticated spaces uh, in the jams that I've heard. And I've listened to most of the sit-in material of Trey sitting in with Goose, except for like the last night. I haven't heard that stuff yet. I think the effect is going to be more just general, at least the most obvious. And that's just like, inspiration. You know, I think whenever Trey does this, he's like plays with another band or plays sits in or just has a really great tour of tavern. I think that he comes back to fish kind of like renewed and really like energized and inspired. And I think that he's going to roll up to MSG with some, with some fire. And I'm excited about that. Yeah. This is bringing energy to the table he'll he'll draw some he's like a like a vampire he's drawing it from right he is yeah. that energy. <laughs> no <laughs> but you're right i think that's exactly what will happen is that you know it will it will result in energy i brian from attendance bias says that's what ha- happened with gd50 yes it's true but trey also had sonic changes yeah. he was playing he had literal like the way he was addressing his guitar at times was different he was doing fanning and stuff which is you know garcia technique that trey never really did before uh he used a mutron in 2015 which he then stopped using damn it um i don't think i mean i think spending six it'll months be that clear grateful dead music or playing the grateful yeah. dead music is a lot different than this this sit-in i think it's hard to compare yes. but yeah yes Um, Megan, would you have anything else before we before we take a break? Did you have other themes? No, I think that's it. I think that's um, it. All right, I will then, if it's okay with you, I'll tell everyone about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD. 
Please I think, do. I think we should. Um, Sunset Lake CBD's line of smokable hemp products are for the old deadhead like me or the young fish fan like Megan. Searching for a mellow body high, smoking CBD has all the benefits of high THC cannabis without some of the side effects that people, some people experience. I guess some people do. Um, they have a bunch of strains. They have a little bit of something for everyone. I use the tincture. I used it the other night um, when I got home from the Reading show and went to bed late and was woken up by my kids three hours after I fell asleep. I took some Sunset Lake CBD tincture and <laughs> luckily went back to sleep for a few hours. Um, so that's one that's one use. Um, but they have flour, they have tincture, they have salve that Jonathan uses. They have pre-rolls. They have all kinds of awesome stuff. Um, check out sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off all products. That's sunsetlakecbd.com. Can, um, uh, yeah. can I add to that? Please. Please. So it's very little thing, but it's kind of cool. I just got a message from Sunset Lake just today that their Black Friday event is live in which they are donating 10% of proceeds to their local food shelf. So if you're interested in picking up something from Sunset Lake CBD, use our code to get yourself a discount. And they will also be making a donation to their local food shelf. That's pretty cool. This is the kind That's of company awesome. that I like to do business with. And I so I wanted to shout that out. Thank you. That is really cool. Thank you, mm -hmm. Jonathan. Um, all right, Megan, what we, we're going to talk about music next. I have a bunch of music thoughts. Was there music? I do too. <laughs> I think there were. I think there were. Megan, why don't you start? Okay. This is really hard for me because I liked a lot of this stuff. You know, this is like the first time I listened to Goose regularly. So I learned a lot and I was actually listening to them the most just because I wanted to, you know, I've listened to a lot of tab. So for me, I was like really interested in listening to a lot of the goose. So I have a lot, but I'll just start with some and then we'll go around maybe. But, um, I really think that this, I'll start with goose. Do you want to do goose first and then tab? Or do you just want to do all together? That's a good point. Let's do goose first, then tab. That, that's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. They were first. They, they were, were first. So we'll start with them. Yeah. So I think the all I need from the first night in Portland is just like amazing with Trey. And that's probably their biggest jam or at least one of them of the whole run. And it's just a really great jam and it gets out there and it's cool because it's like the first thing that Trey does with them and it, it goes deep. It's awesome. Yeah, I think that for me, the I have several highlights, but I think that that night was one of my top like two or three goose sets. Um, yeah. The end that, of the whole end of the set is amazing. I it's think. great. And I actually really, I mean, we had some, we had some disagreements from the, the, the goose professionals on the podcast about the <laughs> opener turbulence and the night rays and, like the and Atlas dogs. Yeah. It's you didn't like them either. I mean, mm -hmm. to me, those are both great songs. I think the whole set just flowed really well and um, ended with, you know, this, the, all I need is a, it's interesting that like, I mean, the, the jams kind of did evolve over the course of the tour, as you said, Jonathan, but I think that first night, like that, that all I need jam is really kind of out there. Um, even compared to some of the stuff that came later, I thought that that whole set was really great. So I know uh, I thought it was going to be like indicative of what they were going to be doing more, but then it wasn't really like they didn't do as well, many like long, super weird jams. So you don't want them to all be the same, right? But yeah. you, it's a shame. It's a shame to look at back at the whole thing and say, "Yeah, the best one was the first one." Um, but it is <laughs> the one with the freshest energy. You yeah, know, they're so excited. This is the first one. It's like, oh, we got a whole tour ahead of us, but this is the first one. Here, Trey's out here. We're gonna kill it, and they do a twenty-two minute "All I Need," and I don't know what uh, "All I Need" with without Trey really sounds like, but. I really like this one with Trey. Also, yeah. kind of like the pancakes that followed. Yes, um, it was good. That was kind of cool. Uh, and and I mean, I don't blame you for taking it, Megan. But I think that if I were coming in here with any highlight, in particular highlight, that's probably the thing that I would have. No, let me rephrase that. That is definitely the thing that I was planning <laughs> on bringing up. But I knew somebody else would get to it. Yeah, I mean, that whole set, like Tumble, Western Sun, All I Need, Pancakes, those four songs are awesome and great versions of all of them. Yeah, they're, it's, a, it's a great set. And I just, I will just say again that for the last time ever, 
that Turbulence in the Night Rays is a great song. Um, but also, like, I the Electric Avenue was good. That was, like, pretty yeah. good for that, for a cover. And then, yeah, I mean, Western Sun's one of my favorites. That's probably, like, top top two lyrically um, for me, for Goose. So, I don't know. I, I think that was a really, it was a really strong start. Really strong start. I also really loved their Mohegan set. I thought the Mohegan set was just, I mean, I was there, so I was a little bit tenants biased, but like this flow of set is just amazing. It was like Animal, which was just a really fun opener. Flow Down, which is kind of like, to me, sounds like an old like fish, like super composed sectional song. And then Arrow, which I love, Into Hollywood Nights, which is just, that was like being there for that was so much fun. People were just like loving it. And then an awesome drip field, Fish yeah. in the Sea with the horns. With the horns. And then yeah. Factory Fiction with Trey, which I didn't know that was like a thing, but I got a text from Brian Brinkman being like, Factory Fiction with Trey. And I was like, okay, I guess this is like a big thing. So that was cool. <laughs> Didn't it's they so play, weird uh, like, to be like at a show? A couple of yeah, times like, on this yeah. tour? Yeah, yeah, twice. Yeah. Just, and it's a, just it's a like rare song. Again. Once with Trey, but twice on the tour, mm-hmm. which I guess is a high, unusually high percentage for that song. Yeah. Yeah. See, I know things. You know, See, you know what you. you're talking about. And that's a cool song. I like that song a lot. So, yeah, I kind of like that one too. I like the one with Trey. I, I did listen to that. I think the um, the Pittsburgh, for me, the Pittsburgh sit-in, that was the top for me. Just this old sea and, and the oh Empress, which was the, it was just, it was really great. Both both songs were great. It just, it worked great. That was a That was just amazing. The Salt Sea is another song that I wasn't familiar with at all, but it turns out I like it. That is an incredible song. It's gorgeous. I love what you said on the recap about it, RJ. It's it's a song that sounds like it's always been around. Like it's a real classic sounding song. It's beautiful. That's the song that's been in my head the most from this whole run that I just like keep hearing and keep wanting to listen to. It's so beautiful. It's so emotional. It's just really beautiful. This was like your show, RJ. You've got like this old C and then tab played more on number line. Okay. We can talk about it later, but yeah. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, um, you know, I made the track, I made the track and you know, you can't, uh, you can't, you can't get any reward without the risk or something. Uh, but yeah, a lot of amazing stuff happened in that show. Can, can we talk about, something that I didn't get a chance to bring up with you in Fairfax, which is before you went to Pittsburgh, you said, should I go? And you sent us a picture of your seat and it was very close to the stage on Trevor's side, um, right about stage height. And uh, this is the view from the seat. And then um, I think I got us those seats in uh, Patriot center. So were they about the same? Yeah. Yeah. And you're welcome. And well Redding. And Reading, we were in almost the same exact spot. So I was in the same spot for all three of those shows. Yeah. Well done. That's it's a great awesome. Place to be. Great place yeah, to be. that's a good spot. You could see them when they came off too. That's yeah, that a good spot. That's yeah, awesome. There. Yeah, it's a really um, good spot. Brian Golenberg asks, can we address this comment? I'd like to know what it is that Goose has, so to speak, that's making them the next thing since sliced bread. I'm just scratching my head. I think they're very, very talented, just not understanding it. I got this, guys. And, and the reason I want to I want to address this is because I am not the completely knocked out going on Goose Tour fan of this band. You're not. But I like this band. I'm not. Probably not. You know, but I like this band. Um, David Miller uh, actually has a pretty good answer. Uh, the songwriting and Rick's voice. And I will say that jam band fans often aren't getting the greatest songwriting in their jam band music. They also aren't always getting the best singers. Goose has those two things. Uh, Goose is not really writing the complex for complexity sake jam band stock music. They're not writing the we're really white guys, but we play funkish music kind of stock thing that a lot of jam bands are doing. They are. They're a band that jams. I'm not sure I would call them, I would not lump them in as a jam band. Um, Personally, uh, I think that they are, uh, I think that they have more in common with groups like, um, what did I say before we started this, Megan? Uh, The uh, more like the national war on drugs. I think more Uh, poppy. I mean, I don't think those groups are poppy. I think those are more the 
current flavor of indie rock. Um, uh, maybe a little, little my morning jacket, uh, but, but not, but with jams that are clearly influenced by jam band music. I mean, these guys are how much younger than Trey? Um, we don't have to name numbers, but you have to figure they've been listening to not just jam band music to get to where they are. And it sound, it comes through in their sound. So, um, I don't say any of that to denigrate any other jam bands or what have you. I just think that they, uh, they have a charm that is grabbing people who are looking for something else that they're not getting at fish or at the jam band du jour. Or that they're not that they're not getting it either too, just that they like this too. Right. Like they just like this too. Well, that's the thing. It's like you're not they're not getting into fish. It doesn't mean fish is bad because they don't do it. It means that they also like this. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. think that's great. Now, do I think some people are going a little off their heads on it? Well, yeah, but people think that we get a little off our heads on fish. So I guess that's fair. Yeah. fair. I mean, I'm I'm definitely like I'm I'm pretty sold, obviously. I've been sold for a long time. I I think I've been sold since like, you know, mid twenty nineteen. But yeah, you but, were trying to like pushing <laughs> pushing me to go see them when they were supposed to be in richmond in uh april of 2020 i'm just saying mm. man um would have been my first i really like them too i just want to say jonathan that i agree with your reasoning i think it's like yeah. all about rick's voice and the songwriting and i got in a large 100%. argument with our our friend one of our friends or one of our mutual friends who loves arguing about stuff um that like they they are more reminiscent of an indie band than a jam band i think just in terms of songwriting, not in terms of the sound. Like in terms of the sound, of course, they sound like a jam band when they jam because they're a band that jams. Well, I mean, they've got a they've got a adjunct percussionist, and the guitar, keyboard, bass. I mean, with six strings or is it five? I'm sorry, Trevor. I really like Trevor's bass playing. By the way, he is also one of the key differences in the sound. He is not slap flailing on his bass. He is very steady bottom end yeah very cool sound good player oh i haven't heard this jim d i like this no it's, it's new jim it's new hmm. no, 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 no i don't know that one <laughs> megan what what do you think why people are into goose yeah or anything I mean, that, to add what jonathan said i mean or i to take away if you like i'm not gonna take away um I only can talk about why I like Goose. I mean, I like Goose because I started listening to them because my family was sick of listening to Fish when we were in quarantine. And so someone sent me Goose and I was they could tolerate it better. You know, they just could. So that's what I would listen to when I cooked dinner, like that everybody had to listen to. And so I started to feel like it was just more palatable kind of jam adjacent music if you don't want to call it a jam band jonathan and then i just you can call it whatever you want i mean i think i consider them kind of a jam band but i think that their rick's voice is so awesome i think that their songwriting is spectacular lyrically they're great and i think their hooks are super infectious and i love to dance and they're great to dance to they have like this hypnotic groove that i think is just really really fun and i think that's why i like them yeah, exactly. And um, I think they have a lot of fun on stage. They look like they're having a great time. Rick's good looking. You know, there's a lot of things that kind of add up to a reason why people like me. Um, can I take a second also to shout out something I noticed while I was watching these guys that I think is interesting and a little different from a lot of a lot of groups, but not every group, I'm sure. Um, I noticed that Trevor and Rick... And I think I saw it on Peter's rig too. They have they are controlling their monitors themselves. So you, if you look at like Trevor's mic stand, go back and look at your pictures or whatever, and you'll see this little box. It's halfway up oh, the mic yeah. stand. Oh yeah, I saw that on, on yeah. Rick's too. There, I really I never saw Rick adjust his, but I saw Trevor mess with his a little, and that is his monitor mix. They do not have a guy sitting at the monitor board at the side of the stage. Certainly not on this tour. Maybe they do it on other tours. And I think that uh, having that kind of control allows them to hear each other, which is hearing one another is the most critical thing for a band that jams. And so they've got that dialed in. And I think what's interesting about that 
most interesting about that, aside from the kind of tech geekiness, is that they're they've got their shit figured out, which is why it's working for them. Nobody wants to go see a band that spends half their time going, "Hey, could you turn it?" Yeah, hey, turn yeah, it no, up. they're all Nobody really good musicians. That. Yeah, they're all very, yeah. very good musicians. Yeah. Um. One. One. Maybe lost to the pandemic. In December of 2019, Tom and I interviewed Ezra Koenig for Vampire Weekend, and he was talking about the band, and he talked about adding a second drummer, and I said that immediately makes you a jam band because it's true. And I just <laughs> want to tell you that I'm that I'm on that I'm on that. We asked uh, Taper's Choice when they were going to add a second drummer. <laughs> yeah, and what they said when we were in Denver, they laughed because it was a <laughs> comedy joke. Yeah. Uh, um. What Megan? Do you have anything else in terms okay, of yes. um, music? I, okay. I have yes, more for please. Cruise. Okay, so okay. I just want to say too. Well, a couple things, not just um, that the hunger site when Trey plays hunger site that is like so emotional when he rips that like kind of like one rip that like lick that comes out of the right before the kind of jam part. It is so incredible, and hearing him do that is like he did it at Radio City and he did it on this tour again. I think. In Fairfax, right? The night you guys went. Yep. That is really a special moment that like I'll never forget hearing that live. And I think that's cool to hear. Really, really cool. There's a lot. The Rockdale in Reading was like unbelievable with Trey. Yeah, I mean right. I have a yeah, I mean I have a I have a attendance bias, recency bias, like all the different kinds of bias. But the 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 Reading, the Dripfield, Rockdale. The El Meg, the Wise, Hot Tea. I mean, that was just amazing. The whole, the whole, the whole goose set was was great. Um, we had a great time, like a good crew. It was just, it was a wonderful evening. But that, that, you know, whatever that is, I guess that's what four or five songs um, was was pretty amazing. I thought. Yeah, incredible! Just those peaks that they built in Rockdale with Trey and him, and that song is so great. It was, I thought that set was awesome. I streamed that show, and it was really fun to watch. The, the the reason that I love Rockdale and I it is one of my favorites is that they come back to the chorus at the end of the jam. Yes, you know, yes. and it's like a it's like a hug from a friend. You know, it's just a it's it's such a great return. Do you think that's why Trey likes them so much because they finish songs and we know Trey likes to finish <laughs> songs. <laughs> totally, <laughs> it be. he's it like finally. Be. It's like twenty minutes, but they come back to the chorus. Like, Thank God. All these other jam bands never finish; they just go on to the next one. So, totally. so Megan, <laughs> we've spent most of the time talking about Goose, which this is a fish podcast, or it used oh to be God, anyway, shoot. but fish is not fault. on tour. <laughs> what, what do you have tab-wise? Like, what, what were your thoughts, and, and do you have do you have highlights? Yes, and I think tab was amazing on this tour, and I was fighting with people constantly about saying, who, who were saying that tab is boring, but I thought that tab was amazing, especially, like, hearing them play well, this isn't really Tab, but hearing Trey and Rick sing Strange Design was like amazing. That was so special, I thought. And I thought the whole set um, that I saw in Mohegan, again, attendance bias, but especially the end of that set, like push on to the day, no men, 46 days, and then Karini just absolutely ripped. The energy level in that arena was so high. I mean, people were like absolutely screaming the whole that whole end of the set, it was just like there was so much energy in there. It was so exciting, and I really loved that that set. That's I thought the Lowell set was the best kind of overall tab set, and that's the one with the with the acoustic stuff. It just had it was very balanced. There was like there were the acoustic, there's the acoustic stuff, and then there's the jams, and yeah, Trey kind of like telling the story about '97 and then playing those those couple songs. Um, he said it was, I think he said it was 25 years to the day since they played there, which is not at all not accurate. True. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, I know from recent conversations that, you know, his dates yeah. can be a little bit off, but it doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. He, he had other things on his mind. The date tracking can fall to nerds like us. Yeah, exactly. That Jonathan, what about you? That you guys saw with Tab was crazy, too. Oh, yeah. It was, they, they were all really good. Um, and I agree that it, like the whole Tab sets were, were really fun. I think that's the biggest thing. And, you know, Tab kicks ass and has uh, arguably for a long time, but definitely since lockdown, since COVID and the return last year, 
last year's tour was interesting. You know, it was a little bit of a tour of attrition, but, um, but they, uh, they're just, they play, they're playing so strong and easily overlooked, I think. And, you know, cause they just played those West coast shows and didn't get a lot of notice, I think among uh, people who weren't there, but they just, they're crushing. Desron is amazing on the bass. Amazing. Um, and we talked about the horns earlier. I think the song selection is pretty strong. They they play and put out really hard. I you mentioned the Fairfax show. I thought it was just a kind of pretty much a nonstop banger. And we were lucky enough to get Billy Strings there that night. And uh, I know I mentioned it, said I wouldn't go into that too much, but come on. No, but so go into it. Tell us what you're. Please go into you're. it. Yeah. Well, I'm a fan, right? You know, everybody always hears me, you know, hype the bluegrass songs every time we talk about an old fish show. And, and I'm, I'm a bluegrass fan. And I saw Billy the night before and, and, and talked about this on the recap. And, and uh, you know, we I'd been hoping he would turn up for this show for a while because i knew he had the night off just right there and sure enough there he is and um you know trey gives up the mic in the stage to billy to do a song and i think everybody when billy strings came out i think there was definitely a fair number of people who were like is where's rick why isn't rick out trey's basically giving up even more of his set so that billy strings can can not just be out there but lead the band and again, that speaks to that generosity, that willingness to, you know, reach out a hand to other players. Billy Strings does not need Tran Anastasia to get a leg up, nor does Goose, to be honest. I mean, they're they're already on the rise, and but Trey admires what they do, what they do, and he brings them up, and it, it was so great that uh, Meet Me at the Creek had this. Uh, it has a pat, a bit in the end that is reminiscent of Tweezer Prize, and they just went for it. You know, Trey starts playing the lick. You know, come on, it's so great. Uh, and and you know they bring Rick and Peter out, and they do get back on the train and and throwing leads around, and Billy singing some of it, and then and then you know they go to the organ, and Trey turns around, and it's Peter playing the organ while. Um, Ray is like on piano, turn around away. And I think Trey was like shocked. He was like, whoa, Peter, you know, he was excited because he was a great <laughs> little awesome. organ solo. Like every bit of that though, and I mentioned it earlier, you know, every bit of the sets, you know, when uh, Natalie takes a solo and it's great, Trey's like, yeah, you know, he's like, yeah, fist pumps. And he's so excited. And you could see him call, you know, he calls every solo when, when Billy's taking a solo and he wants to go around again, he does a little, you know, little hands like go do it again. And, you know, and he's, he, he is driving every moment of that stage is completely different from the way things work on fish. Yes. Trey is largely in charge on a fish stage, but it's so different. The interaction so different. This is not democratic. This is Trey's conducting. He's just not always, he's not waving his hands around the same way. And, uh, and really leading these folks through a big show. It's a good, good one, Brian. Attend from attendance yeah. bias. Tab doing his best Sun Ra orchestra impression. I get That's what that. I was saying all week. Yeah. Like, and that takes a lot, you know, I think that people expect, like, I don't know. I think that Trey is such a high performer that people just expect him to like do something like totally like brand new every single night or it's boring. It's like running that band is incredibly, incredibly solos are all different anyways look that this band could do a 40 minute mr completely yeah that would be completely face melting but trey's done that with his band yeah yeah so go listen to that tape and then come see this band do what they do now yeah they're killer i was reminded of the of exactly what you were saying and of what brian just said that when watching these shows last week like the alive again interviews that we did with Trey last year, like he, he talked about Sun Ra. He talked about yeah. like wanting to have this kind of a, a band. And he's really, like you said, John, that's very different than fish, obviously, but so fun. And he's, he has, he has so much fun. It's like, I mean, it's, it's clearly a passion, passionate passion project for him. Um, I thought that last night in Reading, um, again, I was there and I had a great time, but like after ghost, when, um, 
when his equipment like had a malfunction and he and Peter had that exchange and about, you know, Peter sort of like broke the silence and tried to make it less awkward by telling a story about Trey saying something at, at one of his first shows. It's back in 2010. I thought that was just really cool. That was a nice was... moment. And it's clear that Trey and Peter are, you know, Trey was really, I think just like surprised and happy that he told that story. Maybe they'd been telling that story backstage all tour, but it was still cool to hear. This is the, yeah. so I haven't listened to the show. This is the story about where Trey says, you know, musicians out there go and do this. Yeah. yeah I've heard Peter tell that somewhere yeah, else. Exactly. So and, Peter uh, told that story on stage and then Trey like, got on the mic. And then ah. during, during the next song, which I guess was Hey Stranger, he was like, Hey Peter, show everyone out there how awesome it is to be playing in front of an arena crowd and take a solo. And so like, it's just, there was some like nice <laughs> interplay that was just like a nice, it was just, it was just really cool. The banter was and, awesome on this tour. And then yeah. it, I, can we talk about how the, the show ended? Because I've seen the videos and maybe you could, uh, like you probably talked about it on the recap, but I think this is kind of I- indicative of what this tour meant to all the people. Like I, I know there was some mention on one of the shows of about like the like massive crew um, mm-hmm. like they had a, and you could see it during the changeovers. There were 30 people on stage moving gear off, moving gear on and all that. But, uh, you know, this show ended with a little, I don't want to say parade per se, but they were all jamming at the front of the stage and off down off the stage and everything. I think that really shows this like great collective unity, this like great like bond this group has just from the short little tour. Totally. I feel like the show of life, which is so like, you know, I think Trey plays that when he's in his feelings and then they've got party time. Right. And Trey says like, let's keep this fucking party going. And they play party time and it ends with like this conga line off the stage. I I think you're right, Jonathan. Like this is like good vibes. It was great. It was so fun. And yeah, they got to, they did a little, a little parade off the stage. Um, it, It was great. It was a, it was a really good way to end. It would have, it could have ended well with Llama or ending with show of life would have been a little strange, but they could have just played another song after show of life. But um, it was cool how they all, they all left the stage together, you know, it, playing music. So that was, that was cool. Was At least it didn't end with first two. So <laughs> did every other show, I think um, yeah. they opened with first two in Virginia, which I think, Virginia, I feel like that yeah. was for me because I think that song think it was be an opener or omitted the Carini and at, at the end of the Fairfax show with all the guitars that was what a wild. blast that was yeah wild. that was really wild they ended the Mohican four drummers like that too. two bass, bass yeah. players right two keyboard just, players three guitars it was and it was great. awesome I'm just I'm 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 happy I'm, I'm just happy I'm happy for, with how it went I think Llama was I think the best song of the tab sets that really like summed up the whole thing because like everyone got a solo and then like you know rick got to play the the riff and then like you know but james would solo that was just like really cool that was a that that was a cool cover or not super successful it's a cover it's it's a song by some other band yeah Yeah. i forget who yeah and then (laughs) they got to yell james gang then they got got to to yell. yell Taboos, right? Yeah, so. exactly. And hopefully, <laughs> so, that's the last time we have to hear that word. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. As do, of do you think right they're going to tour again? Yeah. I I don't do know. I mean, I don't do think again? I think they're not done collaborating. I would assume, you know. Yeah. Um. I would just assume. I don't know for sure. I, I guess I won't rule anything out, but this tour has been done. So what happens yeah. next is maybe something. Yes. Else. I mean, you know, from the the way that these guys all, I think all both bands, but especially definitely Trey, like he doesn't really like to look back. He's he's going to be on to the next thing, you know. I just hope they yeah. collaborate further. I hope they write a straight songs yeah. together, or do something together because it's a great collaboration. I think that, you know, in the future when Trey and Goose are both at Peach Fest or Sweetwater or wherever, Bonnaroo or whatever, you can call that sit in a lock and you totally. can say the other the sit in with trey which rarely can you call that a lock you could say that was probably a lock when those things are happening um 
Will they do more together? Who knows? Maybe they'll back him up on an album. Maybe he'll call him up and say, let's do a record together. I just made that up. But that happens after the Trey Strings tour in the spring. I like all this stuff you're making up today, Jonathan. This is what, great. what have I got? I mean, this is what podcasting is all about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Stuff. Manifest do you think I know, know anything here? <laughs> oh, saying stuff. Um, well, I I do want to say we we have we have decided as a as a as a team that we're gonna go we're gonna go back to our once a week cadence. So we'll be we'll be back next Monday and because of the holiday anyway. But um, that's what we decided, right? Am I yeah, yeah, so? yeah. Until yeah. Fish goes back on tour, and then we'll be around. And then we'll people beat ourselves to, to death trying to cover it. Yeah, exactly. I, then we'll I like think die. We have, I think we have covered this tour. I would say extensively. Yeah, every day yeah. after. Even I showed up to talk about it once. <laughs> Unbelievable, man! It's crazy. Amazing. It's like a lot. I'm glad we got <laughs> yes. to hang out. I was next. Are we going to talk about the fish whole next week? Yeah, we have to. I mean, that's that's what we're that's what our contract says. I don't know. I don't know what we're going to talk about. You wrote it. Yeah, I'm ready uh, to. I'm ready to get this fish back on. Get put this goose to the side. Just kidding. <laughs> um, it's it's a little late in the game to bring this up, but but you just reminded me, Megan. You said the other day that you think oh, no. their jamming is is. You said something about that. Where? What's your take on gooses? improvisation right now and and can of worms oh just got popped. well yeah, i just seriously. because you said you wanted to bring it to the pod and i that. did oh right i did and you know i find my mind wandering a little bit during their jamming it's not you huh. know now i'm talking primarily about this tour which maybe is a little unfair because there were one set shows um but this is the most concentrated and like consecutive time i've ever listened to, to goose so i feel like i just was in I don't know. I the stuff I liked was the stuff that Trey was on the most, but maybe that's what their biggest jams were. But um, yeah, I don't know. I just find maybe it's because when I listen to Fish, I tend to kind of I don't know. I have more familiarity with like themes or where things might go or how things might sound or who might do what where. But when I listen to some of these jams, I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't know. I'm not super like inspired or like interesting. Quick. Yeah. So if you want to send me some jams. That's how I felt about 2022 fish. (laughs) Wow. So I guess here we are. What are we going to do now? I think the drip field from Redding without Trey was, was, was a a very good example of their. I know what you mean. The the Madhavan, right? The Madhavan? Yeah. Yeah. Someone told me that was really good from Prince Falls, I think. Okay. Yeah, I'll listen to that too. I mean, there, you know, but I, I know it's also like you're putting together these one set shows, and it's, it just seems a little bit. I mean, it's obviously a different approach, right? Mm-hmm. Ryan will send you. I mean, there's no, you go. no question. Yeah, um, and um, and Brian from Attendance Bias feels the same. So there you go. That's why we're yeah, friends, uh, Brian. <laughs> I can't weigh in on this. I'm ADHD. My mind wanders. In fact, I, I, I was thinking games. about something else during the whole conversation. So. <laughs> I think that you haven't heard what we said. The non, <laughs> oh no, I heard it. The, the non-tray sit-ins, the non-tray songs. I think the the Madhavan, the Dripfield from Reading. Um, those are probably the two main. I actually really liked the Arrow opener from Fairfax. I think someone yesterday said it didn't go anywhere, that. but I thought it was. I like that. I mean, it was very like they build. Peaks. Where like, is it supposed to continue go? to build peaks? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Somewhere I mean, else. I don't know, but but it's I'm it's not going where I expected it to. Maybe or I don't Fair know. Enough. I don't know. I you know I'm just like you know trying See, to find feel how don't I feel expect. like and I don't know. It's good. Maybe yeah, that's I what it is. Feel how, no. Don't don't make excuses for yourself. I want you to be yeah. to speak your truth. You know. That's my truth. Yeah. I, All right, can so Megan goose jamming. That's that's our I'm headline get, like, for the episode. Fuck! Don't do that. <laughs> no, 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 don't no, do that. You won't get hate don't mail. send her hate mail. <laughs> Just kidding. Send it to RJ, nope. and he'll nobody uses it. mail anymore. Don't worry. Okay, right. <laughs> send a self-addressed stamped envelope, and we will fill it with hate mail. <laughs> and send it back. Jonathan, do you have any thoughts on that on on their jamming, or are you just you're just kind of like, do you feel we not familiar enough to comment? I don't think that I um, I don't think I have a strong stance either way. I've enjoyed some of their jamming. Uh, I've 
I'm indifferent on some of their jamming, but I don't think I have, I don't think I have much of a leg to stand on opinion wise. Megan's listened to far more than I have at this point. Um, So I, 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 yeah, that's what I got. That's fair. I think it's fair. I think you probably agree with me, but it, that's fair. I might. All right. Well, I think we did it. I think we did it. We all agree with each other, sort of, yeah, on some this stuff. This is fun. We agree that we did it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Very good point. Um, so we will be, I guess, Megan, Jonathan, we'll be back next Monday and we're going to talk about fish again. Yay. Okay. Can't wait. You think we should do that? Mm-hmm. I think yes, we should please. definitely do that. All right. Well, I, I don't, you know, it's with, with Undermine going all in on, on 97. I mean, I guess, you know, I'm not going to like, I, I just want to throw this out there that it might make sense to talk about the 11, 28, 09 show from Albany. Cause it's, it'll be on the 28th. And that show oh. has like some of the best jamming of the early, early 3.0 era. I'm just, just as a, just as a thought. I feel like I saw the show prior to Thanksgiving that year. Wasn't there a show like in Philly right before Thanksgiving? Mm. Brian and, wants to um, It was. It's not the one that Brian is no. talking about. This is on I the Saturday of Thanksgiving. Killer show. Yeah. So I saw the third Wednesday show. Yeah. 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 That was Wednesday. And that um, was a, boy, that was a that was a drive home. I bet. Um, <laughs> that, yeah. that actually, I just looked at it on Fishnet. That's one of the lowest show ratings i've ever seen wow <laughs> 2.7 we should do that one. That's, that's pretty they low. did do oh that's sweet nothing low. though right and that they did encore yeah that was awesome i love that um, all right so we will talk about that show or another show <laughs> can't wait we'll figure that out amongst ourselves and we'll let you know. all of you <laughs> next time but you should listen to that show anyway okay all right are we done megan did we do it all right We're done. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. (laughs) Okay. Bye. Osiris. One Hit Thunder is a podcast where we both celebrate and have a good laugh about bands and artists that had just one hit that we all know. Each week, we're joined by a guest from the world of music or comedy to learn more than you ever thought you would about some songs that you can't forget. And we decide if they brought the One Hit Thunder or nothing more than a one hit blunder. Look, if you listen to the show, you're probably going to laugh and I guarantee you're going to crush next time the bar has music trivia. Tag Team, Jane Child, Meredith Brooks, Looking Glass, Sean Mullins, Eiffel 65, EMF, Crash Test Dummies, Crazy Town, Chumbawamba. We have hundreds of episodes in our back catalog and a new episode each week. So pass the duchy, make sure you're connected, and subscribe to One Hit Thunder wherever you get your pods. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effie Perspective don't have to wonder because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from the Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.